friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 582. We are recording on August the 16th. Abriana, how are you? You're back home. I I am home for the moment, um, and I'm good. Glad to be back home. Had a nice trip down south. Um, and now I'm just gearing up to head to the British Virgin Islands for a few days. Um, so very excited about that. I've never been. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm like trying to knock everything out, you know, so I can really enjoy and disconnect for a few days. A real vacation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've not like spent a lot of time there. I've like stopped there on a cruise and kind of like, you know, hung out at the beach, um, which was beautiful. But uh, yeah, it's I think you'll, you'll love it. Of course, you'll love it. Of course I will. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. It just kind of, you know, it feels like the summer is winding down and just wanting to cram in, you know, every last little thing that you can before uh, it's kind of back to school and September's here and all of that. So hopefully have some, you know, fun things uh, lined up in the next couple of weeks. I, I have to, the long weekend there, like before, uh, you know, um, everybody goes back to school and whatnot. I have to go to a wedding now. So, um, so that'll be fun, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, lots of celebrating happening, huh? Going on. So yeah. All right. Well, we have four stories uh, for you this week, as per usual, uh, and I'll let Abriana kick us off. All right. Well, um, over the past couple of weeks, some Best Buy stores have been set up as temporary pokey stops, and no, not Poke Bowl. But Pokestop's like part of Niantic's Pokemon Go. Um, so if you've been living under a rock, this is a, an augmented reality, uh, you know, app mobile game that lets these players catch and fight these digital monsters based on their real world location. So for the past couple of weeks, Pokemon Go trainers, which are the game players, were able to visit. There was over uh, 800 Best Buy stores that they turned into these Pokestops. And they could, you know, collect essential items like Pokeballs, Pokemon eggs, all the things that apparently are necessary to play this great game. Um, and, you know, they also use this as an opportunity to bring attention to the latest collection of their trading cards, um, which I don't know if like your kids ever got into the trading cards to see, but, you know, my oldest is like, starting to be interested in it, but I'm not sure she understands how it works. I certainly don't, I can tell you that. Uh, for the trading cards place, but I think this is an interesting collaboration. We've seen Pokemon do this with McDonald's previously, right? Uh, where they drove people in, they had specific like levels and games that they had access to when they were in that area. Um, so the same thing with, you know, Best Buy, I think it's a smart way to to bring more people into the retail location, um, you know, get it, get them access probably to those trading cards or buying other other pieces of equipment that perhaps they're interested in as gamers. Um, so yeah, I mean, nothing groundbreaking here, but I think that this is a great campaign um, and it just wrapped up like two days ago. So maybe we'll hear more about how, how it went. Yeah, no, I, I've always been a fan of uh, Niantic and, and Pokemon Go and kind of what they're trying to do there. Um, I think it's it's a great way to bring a younger audience into, you know, physical retail environments by setting up these Pokestops. And obviously, you know, this is not the first execution. I remember when they first announced this platform a few years back, you know, Sephora and other brands were on board with this. 
Um, you know, and, and so I do think it's a good traffic driver. Um, and I like that Best Buy is, you know, sort of, you know, leveraging it that way. Um, you know, I'm always, you know, of the notion that, okay, it's good to get the traffic there, but, you know, is there, you know, a strong, you know, sort of revenue conversion, you know, piece, you know, tied to this. So, um, and, you know, if you can find these items there and maybe you can, you know, then purchase the actual cards in the store and things like that, then, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like I'm, I'm like you, I'm kind of illiterate when it comes to Pokemon Go uh, or sort of Pokemon cards and the trading cards and that, that piece of it itself. Although I, I will say if your kids are getting into it, Amriana, hang on to whatever it is they have. Cause a friend of mine, um, his, um, their son just, you know, sort of was like, is older now was going through cards that he had for uh, a while. And took it took them in like you know to a store to get you know sort of trade in and valued and one of the cards alone was worth like eight grand so I was like okay the new the new baseball cards right we was like collected baseball cards, cards and gum and now cards, okay <gasps> so make sure your kids don't throw them out or rip them up or anything like that so there you go preserve I got it yeah yeah so all right so that's uh, that's a cool little story. On to our second one now. So we're going to jump across the ocean here to Taiwan and uh, Family Mart, which is a very large um, convenience uh, store retail chain uh, based there in Taiwan. So, you know, like a 7-Eleven type of environment uh, is currently testing uh, a smart retail electric vehicle. So essentially what we're talking about here is a convenience store on wheels. Um, they're testing this, it's called Famimobi, and uh, they're testing it out at the Southern Taiwan Science Park. And the offerings, uh, you know, through this particular convenience store on wheels uh, include Southeast Asian foods and uh, a self-checkout system. Um, so again, we've seen these types of experiments before, mostly in China. Um, this is the first one apparently in Taiwan. Um, the, uh, the putting together this vehicle, um, there were seven uh, months of collaboration between 15 electric car suppliers in Taiwan, all working together on this. Um, and so it's the first electric vehicle outfitted with a convenience store. So I like that. Um, and according to Family Mart president, um, you know, this is something that they're going to you know, extend uh, through a number of different locations in in the uh, in the main cities. So, Taijiang National Park, Yuang Island, um, and some other attractions will all be getting this Famimobi vehicle there. Um, and uh, the other thing that uh, was kind of interesting is so they're timing sort of the availability of the vehicle and the products to you know, the shifts that people are working uh, in the science uh, park and other and other areas and, and what their sort of interests are in terms of products. So the vehicle will carry nearly 100 merchandise items or SKUs um, and, you know, will introduce Southeast Asian cuisine to cater to a lot of migrant workers that are uh, there at the science park. So people who maybe don't ordinarily eat Southeast Asian cuisine are kind of introduced into that as well as obviously all the, the normal convenience products that, the, that they carry. So it's, um, and they're doing all sorts of other tests, automatic sort of grocery, you know, shelf, you know, kind of Amazon go type of stuff, um, 
you know, and app-based checkout and payments and all that type of stuff. So I think it's kind of cool. I think it's interesting. We're certainly seeing more and more of these automated checkouts or bringing the store to where the people are uh, type of environments uh, across the world. And now we have our first electric uh, mobile convenience store uh, in Taiwan. Yeah, not too much to add there. I mean, I, I do think we are obviously seeing more and more of this. We're seeing more, um, you know, vehicle automation, checkout automation. Um, you know, it makes me think of all the the jobs that people have today that perhaps are not going to exist in the future. Um, but I think that as far as convenience goes and and the thoughtfulness that they have put into who, where, when, like what they want um, is very is very powerful. And I think that we're just going to continue to see more and more iterations of this for sure. Um, so, yeah. So staying on the same topic, though, um, of automated vehicles, this is a, a pretty big one, is that uh, driverless taxis are a thing of now officially in China. Uh, so Baidu was uh, granted a license to commercially and, and offer these fully driverless ro robo taxis, what they're calling them, and the services on public open roads. So they're calling this uh, Apollo Go, and that's uh, Baidu's autonomous ride hailing service. So now they can collect fares for these robo taxi rides. And this is done completely without human drivers in the car. So they're starting in two cities in Chongqing and Wuhan. Uh, which are, you know, two of China's largest mega cities. And they just unveiled the car they'll be using, which is called the Apollo RT6. And it's an all electric car, um, production ready model. It's got a detachable steering wheel, retails for about 37 grand, which is, you know, a very cost effective uh, vehicle. So the CEO of Baidu was saying that this really enables them to deploy thousands of these autonomous vehicles across China. Um, and they're also moving towards, you know, a place where the the cost of a robo taxi will be um, half of what taxis cost today, which is, you know, incredible uh, for moving people around. And then they're looking, they, I mean, they're very, very ambitious with their goals in terms of expansion here. So they're looking to um, expand to more than 300 stations by the end of this year. And their goal is to expand Apollo Go operations into 65 cities across China by 2025 and 100 cities by 2030. So, um, you know, some really big numbers that that they're shooting for. And in terms of safety, they have a they they have noted that there's a proven track record of over uh, 16 million miles of road testing that's been accumulated over the last nine years with zero traffic accidents. So that's um, you know that's a little bit. I say I would say encouraging, and you know, as a mother to two young daughters, I'm like hopeful that that we can have this for my kids as well. <laughs> uh, you know, by the time they're driving age, but um, I think this is really exciting, and I love the fact that it is driving down the cost of taxis that they're able to deploy this at scale. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some hesitation or nervousness. Maybe not in China, but certainly here in North America, um, to be riding in a completely autonomous taxi. Um, but who knows? I mean, this is this is the start, you know. Uh, so we'll see how this grows. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is exciting, right? I, I think it's uh, 
you know, for me, what stands out about this is the scale that they're talking about, you know, deploying this, you know, tens of thousands of these robo taxis in the country, you know, getting to 300 stations by the end of the year, uh, you know, already got five, you know, running in each of the two cities that you mentioned. Um, you know, and I like that it's, you know, all electric vehicles, you know, um, as well, you know, sort of from a, climate perspective, I think that's a good thing. I think that, you know, typically when you're talking about taxi rides too, they're fairly short run. Um, so, you know, it sort of lends itself nicely to, you know, an electric vehicle. Um, you know, and, and, you know, for me, the other piece of this story is, you know, anytime you're talking about a driverless, you know, vehicle, it, it, it sort of opens up the door to what does that mean in terms of, you know, uh, marketing and advertising opportunities, right? Because if you're, if you're not driving a vehicle and you don't have to be focused on the road and, and the wheel, you know, you're essentially sitting as a, as a passenger, um, you know, in a vehicle and have time to consume ad content. So I think it changes the game a little bit for, you know, how we interact with things like out of home, um, you know, or in vehicle, you know, uh, screens uh, that can push content to us. Uh, maybe we're playing Pokemon Go, um, you know, while we're in the robo taxi, things like that. So, um, you know, I think there are a lot of opportunities there from a you know future revenue and monetization point of view on top of the the taxi fares themselves. But you know, I'm with you. I think like one of the coolest things about the, all of this is that you know they can do this at a at a scale and a, and a cost point where you know the, the fares are lower than you know a traditional fare. And I think that's really interesting, especially at the time of hyperinflation that we're in right now. Absolutely. Okay, on to our final story now. So uh, there's a company out there called Calibrate with a K, and they are a location intelligence software company uh, headquartered in, uh, in the UK, uh, but with offices all over the world. Um, and uh, they have launched a new competitive insights offering. Uh, so basically, you know, providing their customers with a real-time view of you know, uh, consumer footfall around, you know, particular location or POI or business that, you know, belongs to their client, be it a retailer, a restaurant, or, you know, what have you. Um, and then, you know, help those businesses understand, you know, you know, how often people are going there and where they're going, you know, sort of before and after and cross shopping patterns and things like that. So, you know, not unique in, the offering itself, but, you know, from what I can gather about Calibrate and its extensive, you know, history and customer base, uh, probably something that is a nice add-on, you know, uh, offering that they can bring to their existing customers uh, and open up some new capabilities for them. So I like that. Um, the, um, you know, as I kind of dug into uh, learning a little bit more about this company, um, they're a company that has been around for a long time, but has grown primarily through acquisitions. So back in 2020, they acquired Trade Area Systems, um, and then shortly after that acquired uh, Intelytics and then eSight uh, last year. So, um, and this is, you know, on the backs of numerous other acquisitions in the years previous. Uh, they're very strong in the uh, fuel um, uh, convenience uh, business, uh, so gas stations. Um, and providing insights to that industry, uh, have a lot of integration there on the POS side and sort of the, the data that's going on around that space. Um, so I can see how, you know, having cross shopping and uh, footfall data layered in on top of that 
can be uh, a nice value add. Um, I should point out, um, because it's important to you know this new offering, that um, the competitive uh, location intelligence piece is powered by data from NEAR, um, and NEAR is obviously a, a location-based marketing association member company, um, and so they're processing about 1.6 billion unique user IDs across um, 70 million locations in 44 countries. And, and that seems to be a good fit because, you know, from what I understand, Calibrate is very much a global operator with operations in India and Japan and across North America and Europe. So um, seems like a good fit for their clients and uh, a, a nice new offering. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we we know of Near. I had not heard of Calibrate before uh, this article came out, honestly. And um, yeah, I mean, I think... My sentiment, honestly, is just wait and see with location data. There's just so many um, things that are quietly happening in that industry right now. And, you know, I'm I'm just kind of taking note and paying attention to where that, that goes, um, you know, between privacy, legislation, and just the probably coupling or merging of lots of companies um, changes, you know, I think... There's been some recent probably layoffs and downsizing of, of several larger companies in the location space recently. So I think it's interesting to pay attention to and um, you know see like what is the, the capacity to continue at that scale uh, with that amount of location data to provide really great services. So definitely, um, you know, I think there's benefit to this solution, but the longevity of it to me still remains something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think that's a fair comment, and you know, it, it's a good segue to uh, reminding people. So, um, we're bringing back our our physical conferences now that sort of the pandemic has generally lifted. So, Retail Loco um, will be taking place in person in Atlanta, October twenty sixth and twenty seventh. And the reason I want to bring that up, a, you know, if you haven't got your ticket yet, go get a ticket. Um, but, you know, in terms of the themes this year. You know, looking at you know post-pandemic recovery, looking at you know things like you know labor shortages affecting the retail and, and restaurant industries, uh, and you know the metaverse and all of that. But I think there's certainly a lot of discussion that's going to happen at the conference uh, this year about you know these changes in privacy rules and what does it mean for location data and things like that. And I know uh, one of our our keynote speakers that I'm I'm happy to to announce is uh, Wesley Rhodes, who's VP of um, technology uh, transformation at uh, Kroger uh, will be there um, kicking off the conference. Um, and I know he's, you know, gonna, gonna address some of those things uh, very closely. And so we're excited about that. And um, I think uh, companies like Calibrate and, and others, you know, need to be there to kind of, you know, address, you know, what they're doing in this space and, you know, interact with, with others. So uh, looking forward to that. So again, October 26th, 27th, retaillow.co is the website. Um, and uh, we'd love to see you all there. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. That's our show for this week. Four stories there. You've been listening and watching episode number 582 of Location Weekly. Thank you so much for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas or feedback for us. And uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to the onescreen.ai guys for, uh, you know, resharing the uh, podcast and uh, giving us some good feedback on it uh, this past week. So thanks, guys. And uh, 
hopefully see you guys at Retail Loco as well. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.